everybody. So good to be with you again today. Well, as Pastor Jason just said, Thanksgiving's gone. Now we're about to turn a page in our calendar. We're headed towards Christmas, Christmas season. And so as we do, we get to start a new series. It's a, uh, so we start a new sermon series, and it's called, What's in a Name? What's in a name? That question was made most popular, I think, uh, most popular as far as what I've heard the most, by Shakespeare. And uh, he wrote a play, Romeo and Juliet. And some of you might remember during that play, if you've seen the play or if you read the play, uh, Juliet, she is on her, her balcony. And she is pondering the great love she has for the love of her life, Romeo. And during this famous soliloquy that she has out on her balcony, she says, what's in a name? What's in a name? That was a great love story, right? But it was a fiction love story. It wasn't true, but it was a great love story. Uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to turn our hearts and our minds towards a true love story, the greatest love story. It's the love story that caused the creator, to reach down into darkness, to reach down into a sin-filled world and to send his son, Jesus, to earth to be born in a manger for the sole purpose of growing up, dying on the cross, a death he did not deserve, then on the third day to, to come back to life again so that it would be possible for you and I to have our sins forgiven and to live with him for all eternity. It is the greatest love story. And for the next four weeks, we're going to start wrapping our mind around that incredible, incredible truth of God's love for us that was shown in the birth of his son, Jesus. So the verse we're going to look at over the next four weeks is going to kind of be our theme verse. is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. So you can... Pull out your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, whatever you want to do, uh, and follow along as I read. It's also going to be on the screen. It says this, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those four names we're going to focus on over the next four weeks here at Great Oaks Community Church. So as we get started, I'm going to ask you a question. Say that someone you know really well, maybe a family member, maybe a close friend, just has a baby, all right? So, so the baby's just arrived. What's one of the first things that we ask? What's one of the first things we want to find out that we just kind of ask them, we ask ourselves, we ask someone who's the messenger, right? 
we ask, is it a boy or is it a girl? And then the next thing we tend to ask is, so, like, how much does it weigh? And then we're like, okay, can I see a picture? I want to see a picture. Does this baby look like mom? Does this baby look like dad? Does this baby have a lot of hair, no hair? What color eyes does this baby have? What we're trying to do is to begin to understand the identity of this baby. Who is this baby? Is this baby going to be like mom? Can it be like dad? What kind of qualities, traits is this baby going to have? Of course, it's impossible to know that by looking at a picture. It's impossible to know that just by knowing the gender of the baby. We aren't going to know what kind of qualities, what kind of character this baby has until the baby begins to grow up and develop and becomes a child and then a teenager and then an adult. Then we find out what kind of qualities and character this baby has. This new human, this, this, this person who's just been put on the earth, what kind of quality and characters, character this baby is going to have for the rest of their life. There are a few times throughout all of history where we have a little bit of insight as to a person's qualities and character before that person is actually born. And by a few, I mean very few. To my knowledge, I can think of less than 10, less than 10, and the one we just read this morning is the most important of them all because it directly foretells the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And it tells us that he is going to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. He's going to be an everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. We know 700 years before Jesus is born, God, God tells us, through this prophet, what the character and the identity of this baby is going to be. Very rare that we find that out before a person is born. But we know in Jesus' case. So why do we care? Why is that important to know? Why does it really matter to us after all these years later whether or not Jesus is a counselor? That Jesus is an everlasting Father. That He's a Prince of Peace. Why do we care? This is why it matters. This is why it matters. Because Jesus is meant to be the foundation of our lives. He is meant to be the foundation of who we are. Friends, if we try to fix our lives on anything other than Jesus, it will lead us to ruin. It definitely will. Probably during our life on earth, we will come to ruin. Definitely for the rest of eternity, our life will come to ruin. If we are trying to fix our lives on anything other than Jesus Christ. Sometimes we like to try to fix our lives on, on different experiences. And sometimes we have terrific experiences, wonderful experiences in our life. But if we try to find fulfillment and experiences, we are going to be very, very unhappy. Sometimes we like to find fulfillment or purpose in, in morality. 
or philosophies or success or pleasures, whatever it may be, it will lead to ruin because God designed us to have Jesus as the foundation of our life. That's why these verses matter because these verses solidify in our mind who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. So today we're going to look at Jesus as the wonderful counselor. So we know just by the fact that God the Father gives God the Son the name wonderful counselor that we need counsel, right? Just the fact that he is called wonderful counselor means it, it tells us we need counsel. Who here has ever needed counsel before? Every hand should be raised. Every hand should be raised, right? Whether we get that counsel from a parent, uh, a friend, a spouse. Some, some spouses are very good at giving counsel, <laughs> right? And some spouses just think they're very good at giving counsel. Maybe it's a coworker, a, a coach, a pastor, a professional counselor, whoever. At times, we all need counsel. God knew that. God knew that as he created the world, that his creation would need counsel. And he describes God the Son, Jesus, as a wonderful counselor. So we've established the fact that we need counsel. We know that, right? Just by living life, we know that we need counsel. What do we seek when we go to a counselor, what are we looking for? Well, we're looking for wisdom. Right? That's what we need. When certain crises come up, situations play out, life changes are made, whatever it may be, there are times when we go to a counselor and we are looking for wisdom. We want them to impart to us wisdom. And as Christ followers, it is our desire that we get godly wisdom. That's what we need. We need godly wisdom. I'm going to tell you a story. Back when I was in college, my best friend was dating a girl. And she had a great idea. She thought, you know what, John, that was my best friend's name, John. He, she said, John, let's go out on a double date. Let's have you get your friend Dan, and I'm going to get my friend uh, Susie, I forget her name, Susie. <laughs> and we're going to go on a double date. It, this would be a blind double date for me. And so my friend John comes to me and he says, Dan, we got an idea. Let's go on a double date this Friday. I was like, John, I don't think so. I, I can get my own dates, thank you very little. <laughs> Dan, it'll be fun. It'll be a great time. Dan, it's going to be awesome. We're going to go out. It's just a date. It's just one date, Dan. It's not that big of a deal. Let's just go out one Friday night. It's just going to have a good time. This will, this will be great. So Friday night comes around, and my date walks into the room. As I lay my eyes on her and I greet her, it became obvious to me I got bad counsel. <laughs> I got bad counsel. And I looked over at my friend. I kid you not. I looked at my friend. He had never met this woman before either. He was trying to contain his laughter. 
And I'll never forget the look on his face as he's trying not to laugh in front of everybody. I was so mad. I spent the rest of my night trying to figure out how I was going to get out of there. I got bad counsel. No one wants bad counsel. We don't want bad counsel. But here's the tricky part. When we go to another human being, we don't really know what we're going to get. Do it. We're hoping for godly, wise counsel. But perhaps it's foolish counsel. Maybe it's foolish counsel disguised as wise counsel. We don't know what we're going to get when we go to another human being for counsel. They may have sincere, pure hearts and still not give wise counsel. This morning, as we consider Jesus being a wonderful counselor, I want us to turn to a passage in the Bible. It's at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you want to open up there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This chapter tells us a lot about God's wisdom given to us through his son Jesus. God's wisdom given to us through his son Jesus. So I'm going to ask that you open up 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to read these verses. We're going to start in verse 18, all right? We're going to read through the end of chapter 1. Follow along as I read. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to go back up and we're going to talk about most of these verses again. As I go through it, I'm going to point out to you three important points for us to understand about God's wisdom as we consider Jesus as our wonderful counselor. Starting in verse 18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for our wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I want to go back up to verse 18. Verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, 
It is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Okay, let's stop there. What are these first three verses telling us? It's telling us this. God is going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. The wisdom of this world. God is going to destroy it. What's he saying? He's saying that his wisdom is eternal. Point number one this morning. God's wisdom is eternal. His wisdom has no beginning. His wisdom has no end. His wisdom has no limits. It is perfect wisdom all of the time. It is eternal wisdom. He does not play percentages. God does not play percentages. He does not give hypotheses. He is 100% correct 100% of the time. There is, no, there is no event throughout human history God is not an expert on. There is no future event that's going to happen that is out of his control. There is no topic in this world that he is not the number one authority. Perfect wisdom all of the time. God's wisdom is eternal. Back when I was in Nebraska, I served as a pastor in a church, uh, uh, like an associate pastor in a church back in Nebraska before I came out here with my wife. Uh, and uh, this was quite a few years ago. And it was time for like our denominational pastors conference. And so I was in Lincoln, Nebraska at the time. And this conference was going to take place in central Iowa. And so three of us got together to make that drive. Somehow, I don't know, somehow I ended up driving. I'm quite confident I had the worst car out of all three of us. Somehow I ended up driving. And so we're driving along the interstate, making about that four or five hour drive. And I'm driving along at about 55, 60 miles an hour on the interstate. And my friends look at me and they say, Dan, why are you going so slow? I was like, well, just a couple of days ago, I, was, I, had, you know, I had this car up to about 70, 75 miles an hour, and it starts to sputter, and it, it just, it's just missing. It's not doing good. And so one of my pastor friends says to me, well, Dan, Dan, you got carbon buildup in your engine. He says, you got to red line this thing. Get those RPMs up there. If you do that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow the carbon out of this. Your car will run smooth as glass. I heard that, and I thought, sure, carbon buildup. Sounds great. I like that plan. So I floored it, right? I get it up to about 75, 80 miles an hour, whatever. About 15 seconds later, smoke starts pouring out from underneath my hood. I am down, I drop down to about 10 miles an hour on the interstate. About 20 minutes later, the three of us are sitting on a park bench <laughs> in front of a dilapidated auto mechanic shop in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. And you know what dawned on me? I got bad counsel. <laughs> I got bad counsel. I had to end up towing that car back to Lincoln, Nebraska. I sold it for about 100 bucks to a mechanic who wanted a project. Right? I got bad counsel. What happened? These two pastor friends I was with, they were great when it came to biblical and spiritual matters. They were the guys you want to talk to. 
When it comes to auto mechanics, no, don't waste your time. <laughs> I listened to somebody give me advice on something that they weren't an expert on, and it cost me a car. I got bad counsel. That will never happen with God. That's just a silly car and a moment in my life that I've long forgotten about. But the point of this story is there is no topic that's out of reach for God. There, there is no subject that God does not give us perfect counsel on 100% of the time. Point number one this morning, God's wisdom is eternal. Let's keep reading. Let's go down to verse 21. It says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So what are these verses telling us? Right? So these verses, these verses are telling us that God's greatest counseling to you and to me is when he through giving us his wisdom, opens our eyes to help us understand our need for a Savior. That is his greatest counseling session with you and with me, to help us understand we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus, the Son of God. When a person receives Jesus, their heart is changed, right? When some people hear about Jesus, it's a, it's a stumbling block. It's a problem. It's an obstacle. Constantly butting their heads, just butting their heads up against Jesus all the time, not conforming to his will, right? It's a stumbling block. Some people, when they meet Jesus, it's foolishness. It's, it's just foolishness. It's not even worth the time it takes them to say the name of Jesus, Right? They're just like, I got better things to do. That's foolishness. But to the Christian, to the Christian who God has counseled and given us his wisdom, we see Jesus as, as beautiful. He is a display. He is, he is a display of God's wisdom come to earth in the form of a man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, resurrected from the dead, and who is through, through his wisdom, through his spirit in our life, opens our eyes and our hearts so that we can understand our need for a Savior. Point number two this morning is God's wisdom counsels us towards salvation. God's wisdom counsels us towards salvation. Let's go on to the third and final point this morning. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many 
of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now let me ask you another question this morning. If you are going to God for counsel, but you are not hearing from him. Let me pose you this question. Are you asking with the right motives? Is your desire to hear from God, to receive his wisdom and his counsel, is it for your glory or is it for his glory? Is it for your benefit or is it for his benefit? The third point I want to make in these verses that we just read is God's wisdom is given for his glory. His glory. You read the last verse that we read? It's throughout these, all these verses, but it's summed up nicely in that last verse. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When you receive God's wisdom, What's your motive? Friends, isn't the Christian life all about giving glory to Jesus Christ? Yes, it is. Didn't God save us from our sin so that we can worship him for all of eternity? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So why would he ever give us wisdom so that it benefits us and promotes us and lifts us up and not himself? He won't. He won't. He will give us wisdom because he loves us and wants us to enjoy the privilege and the opportunity of giving him glory and honor and praise. What is your motive when you go to God asking him for wisdom? I'm going to illustrate it like this. Say that you are given a, a job promotion. And this promotion comes with a lot of, of pay increase, right? But it's going to require that you move somewhere else, far away from your surroundings that you've grown up in, far away from family and friends. With your family, you're going to move out somewhere else, right? But it comes with a big pay increase. Or there's another opportunity that's going to allow you to stay local, Right? But it comes with just a very small pay increase. And it's a hard decision. God, what do we do? What's the right thing? What's the right thing, God? God, give me your wisdom. What is best for my family? What is best for us? What, what should my family do right now? That's not a bad question. It's not necessarily the right question. Here's a better question. God, which one of these two opportunities will go to bring you the most glory and praise and honor? 
which is the right, which is the right place for me and my family so that we can honor the name of Jesus Christ and glorify him to a new measure in our life? That's a better question. That's the right question. When we go to God and we ask him for wisdom, for counsel, what is our motive? Is it selfish or is it to be able to give him praise and glory and honor like we've never had before? Three things we see in this passage this morning as we consider Jesus, our wonderful counselor. As we go to him for counsel, let's learn these things about his wisdom. Let's understand these things about his wisdom. One is God's wisdom is eternal. It has no limits. He is the perfect, the perfect source on all information. Secondly, God's wisdom counsels us towards salvation. It is by far his greatest act of counseling that he will do in any of our lives when he opens up our eyes and our minds and our hearts to allow us to see, God, we need you. I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thirdly, God's God's wisdom is given for his glory. He gives us his wisdom for his glory to allow us to experience the pleasure that we receive when we give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. As we get ready now for Christmas season, we're going to go through all four of these names. Sometimes it's easy just to brush past this first one, isn't it? A wonderful counselor. But wow, what a blessing. What a blessing God has given to us in his son that allows him, that, that, that allows us to receive counsel from the omnipotent, omniscient, holy, all-powerful God. All possible, all possible. Because 2,000 years ago, God gave his son to you and to me to die on the cross for our sins. Awesome. Go ahead and pray with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for being a wonderful counselor, for giving us your son to be our wonderful counselor. God, there are times in our life where we just don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know how to handle situations. But God, you, you knew all that in advance. You knew we would need a counselor. So, God, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your son, Jesus, a wonderful counselor. Fathers, we go to you. God, may we be sensitive to what your spirit leads us to as we seek your wisdom. May we seek your glory, your praise, your honor as we come to you for counsel. And God, if there's someone in this room who has yet to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, may you do that work in their life today. And right now, God, we ask that they just bow their hearts before you. Receive you as the Lord and Savior. God, we love you. We praise you. God, be glorified in our lives today at Great Oaks Community Church. In Jesus' name, amen.